Here are two sobering statistics. 40% of all food in the U.S. goes unsold or uneaten. One out of three Coloradans are experiencing food insecurity. We Don't Waste founder and executive director Arlen Preblood will explain how he, his Volvo, and now his team are building a bridge between these two issues by recovering food and providing it to hungry people, all the while helping the environment at the same time. On this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast, where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and I'm excited to have the conversation with Arlen Preblood, Executive Director of We Don't Waste, an amazing organization that is making Colorado better with food recovery feeding the hungry, and improving the environment. The birth of the organization came when Arlen and his wife volunteered to serve meals to the homeless, and he discovered there was often a lack of fresh food being prepared. As a foodie who often frequented local restaurants, he started to talk to owners and workers about what happened to the food they didn't sell. So after more than 40 years of successful business and legal career, he decided there had to be a better way to provide more nutritious food to those in need. And in 2009, he founded We Don't Waste. Since then, the organization has morphed from Arlen driving around town as a solo act in his Volvo to the largest food recovery operation in Colorado with warehouse operations and a fleet of refrigerated trucks. We Don't Waste now works with more than 200 human service organizations across the Denver metro area to provide people with fresh food. It has, hold on to your hats for these numbers, it has recovered 165 million servings of food to date and has prevented the release of more than 73 million pounds of methane gas emissions into the environment. Arlen, welcome and thank you for being here. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Jay. It's a pleasure. So if somebody doesn't know anything about We Don't Waste, how would you describe it? Well, We Don't Waste is a Colorado nonprofit organization. We are a 501c3 pursuant to the Internal Revenue Service, which means that uh, people can donate money to us and they can get appropriate tax deductions. Uh, We don't pay any taxes. And in that regard, we don't charge anyone to pick up the food from all the various 160 food donors, and we don't charge any of the food recipients that we provide the feed to. So everything's free. Everything is free. Remarkable. Remarkable. The only, so, thing, the only thing that's not free is I do have to pay my employees and <laughs> exactly there's and foundations and corporations and individuals to help us in that way. Right, but that's it's amazing that the serve, people you serve uh, don't don't have to pay. So. I also, you know, in researching the organization, I, I, I found it interesting that aside from the food insecurity piece, there's a big piece here that I'd love you to talk about, about helping the environment. Well, 40% of the food that is produced in this country is thrown away through various right. systems. Stop I mean, and think about that for a second. When you think of so many people going hungry and so much is going to waste, it's, it's remarkable. And it gets worse if you really look into why that happens, because it starts at the point where food is grown, whether it's in the uh, farms or the ranches or the uh, warehouses or the manufacturing plants. I'll give you a great example. Uh, We have an organization 
that provides us with uh, press, fresh produce. And among the fresh produce are bell peppers. And bell peppers, as you know, come in at least three colors, red, yep. green, and yellow. Mm-hmm. If a yellow bell pepper has a little green in it, in sorting it, that would go to the landfill. Ugh. If the yellow one has too much red in it, landfill. Furthermore, most, if not, not all, but most bell peppers have four chambers. There are certain retailers that say we will not accept one if it has three chambers. So now, it's I aesthetics. Could, it's, a, it's totally aesthetics. Oh, my gosh. You chop up a red pepper uh, that has three chambers and one that has four chambers. I defy <laughs> I you to know that there's any Right, difference. right. Oh, but that's jarring. That's what we as... Americans say everything has to be perfect for it. Wow. So the, the 40% of the food is destined for the landfill. Until we came along with various companies, that's what happened to the food. And we take that food and we uh, deliver it to agencies such as uh, uh, food banks, food pantries, congregate feeding sites, schools, and the like. Yeah, so it's the benefit of all that while the atmosphere doesn't have to contend with all that product that would normally be thrown into the just decomposing in a landfill. So, so really, what you guys are doing is creating that bridge between all this food that's perfectly fine and finding people that need it. Exactly. Look at a a crooked carrot. Some manufacturers, some grocery stores won't take a crooked carrot. Is that remarkable? So what happens to this stuff where it's grown and say they, they've got some crooked carrots? How, how, do they, how do you find them? Well, we find them because they go along the food chain and at a distributor who has people sorting it, they put those crooked carrots aside or the cucumber that has too many bumps along the sides of it. All those little things that create value to us we take those products but because we have to educate those those farmers those distributors and those uh, retailers that will take that this is the same thing if you look on fresh produce for instance it comes in a clamshell mm-hmm. and it say best used by or sell right. by right those are fictitious dates those really? are strictly uh methods of marketing the product wow Take milk. If you go into a grocery store today and buy a half gallon of milk, it might say that you have to use this by July 30th. Well, here it is, June 28th. Right. That whole time. Yeah. Most grocery stores will take it off the market if it's within a five-day span. Same thing with greens. Again, we get those products because they have a short shelf life. Right. There's nothing wrong with them, but... The grocery stores won't keep them on their shelves if they have less than a five-day shelf life. So, so what does the wholesaler do? Yeah. He says, I can't ship this over to a particular grocery store. They call us and we get that product. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to how this all evolved. I mean, I love the story. It starts out with you in your Volvo picking food up from restaurants. Is that correct? Restaurants and catering. And, and- and, and caterers and taking it to food pantries and such. So how does it evolve now? Obviously you're, you've grown in sophistication to where you're working with distributors and everything else. Walk us through this evolution a little bit. Well, so 
it took me about six or eight months to figure out how to really do this once I knew that I had some uh, people that would provide the food. And uh, restaurants are pretty good at uh, protecting themselves from waste. But caterers, uh, not that they're bad by any way, but you have a party. So you have 250 guests. And you say to the caterer, all right, I want this, that, and the other. And they say, fine. Well, they don't prepare for 250. They're going to prepare for 275 because the right. last thing they want. Run so out. Walking up to Jay, say, I thought we were going to a nice dinner, Jay. Yeah. Ran out of food. Well, they don't want that to happen. Right. But unfortunately, 250 don't show up. Either it rains, it snows, whatever the problem is, only 210 show up. Now they have all this product that they prepare. So we talked to the caterers and I said, look, why don't you do this? Take it back to your commissary. That which was unplated, put it into aluminum foil pans, put a top on it, label it, put it into your cooler, call us and we'll pick it up. And that's what they did. Wow. So I started out with two or three caterers and pretty soon it grew. And then the caterer had uh, a contract with uh, Mile High Stadium to do all the suites. Uh-huh. They, they called me up and they said, uh, you think you could uh, collect all the food that's left over in these suites after a football game? I said, sure. They said, there's only one problem. You're going to have to find the workforce to do that. Oh, geez. At the time, right. I was successful in contacting a gentleman who came to me and said, I'd like to help you and volunteer. I called him back and said, can you get 15 of your closest <laughs> friends to help me? Do it? And that's how we started with, with Mile High and the Broncos. And then that led to the old Pepsi center. Old, it was never old right. when they became the ball center, but right. we, we get all the food out of the ball center. Wow. is in the avalanche and from Coors field and from the convention center. So wow. it, it evolved and it grew and there was no one else doing this. And, um, eventually we said, well, we need more than a band to pick up this food. So yeah. we had a drive and we purchased, uh, our first, uh, refrigerator truck we now have four refrigerator trucks fantastic getting we had no place to store anything we picked up so we had to get it all out the same day right and uh once we got wow. the truck we said well we need some place to store stuff too so it took me about oh a good uh year and a half to find a warehouse and uh we moved into eleven thousand five hundred square foot facility after a number of years back in 2017 we moved in here now we have a thousand feet of cooler space. We have about wow. 50 square feet of freezer space, but we've outgrown this. So now Already. we need to wow. expand and we're looking to acquire a building of about 30,000 square feet. Wow. And uh, with that, Fantastic. we can expand what we do and, and eat more for the community. Wow. So it's uh how difficult or, or what was the process you went through? Okay. Now we've got all these vans full of food. Where are we going to take it? There was what no, mean? that wasn't a problem at all because okay, all of the food pantries and the, the food banks uh, needed food because they rely yeah. on donations, but we were able to provide them with fresh product as well as shelf stable product. And then yeah. it, things evolved to the point where now we have truckers who call us where they'll pull up to a warehousing situation and they may have a, uh, a good example is a couple of weeks ago, we had an 18 wheeler that had was filled with raspberries 
and he had pulled up to a, a distribution point and they said, well, we never ordered these. Uh, oh, geez. And so he called his dispatch and the dispatch said, you got to get rid of those. Oh, geez. Let's get rid of them. That's either the landfill, but they know us. So they called and said, can you take these raspberries? Absolutely. So we had wow. an 18 wheeler pull up to our dock. And <laughs> that's we'll awesome. so, so this is happened all the time. Yeah. And that's just a product of you guys, you know, unwavering effort over time. People get to know you, you're dependable. Exactly. And the one thing you don't want to do in this business, when somebody calls and said they have good food for you is to say no. Right. If you say no, they're never going to call you back. Never going to come. <laughs> so we work hard to, to keep it turning all the time. Um, if you visited our warehouse today, you'd see a lot of shelf stable product that we, we know we can use and we, we try to provide it to communities based upon what is attractive to their needs. Sure. So we'll do that. As an example, there's an agency in Aurora that caters to uh, refugees from North Africa. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't like a lot of protein and they certainly don't like canned food. They want fresh fruits and vegetables. So we do our best to provide them with a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables that they can then use to provide That's to communities. That's so you fantastic. have to be uh, you have to be ingenious about things. You have to be yeah. and you have to be nimble. You know, uh, we started back in 2019. We did some research and we found there were about 50 food deserts in the city. Wow. Now, food desert. That is an interesting term. I've not heard that before. Right. Well, and and that term is going by the wayside because now they're called food apartheids because they are basically areas that are low in income. They have no grocery stores and they have been discriminated against for so long. And what we found was that if we overlaid the mapping there were areas that we weren't touching. And some of these were these food apartheids or food desert areas. Mm-hmm. So we selected uh, to begin with, with two of them. One, and they're both on, on the I-70 route to the airport. One's on the north side, one's on mm-hmm. the south side. And we set them up as farmer's markets. So wow. we took the food from our warehouse, went out to these locations and set them up and people could shop. And it's free. And it's free. And we wanted wow. them to be able to do it with dignity rather than handing them a sack of, of groceries and say, here uh-huh. you go, take it home. What happens many times is people will go home and they open up the bag and they say, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> it might be eggplant, but they've never prepared eggplant. Yeah. They don't know how to prepare it. So yeah. they would throw these things away. We said, if we give them the opportunity to shop and take what they need, then they're only going to take what they need and what they can use. Well, we did that for a year and we were very successful. And then COVID hit in March yeah. 2020. Well, within two weeks, we had to convert all of them to drive through mobile markets. Yep. And we went from eight or from two rather to 10 a month. Wow. The city. And we set those up. We take the food with our volunteers and, uh, we set up situations where people drove through, they popped their trunk, we asked them what they needed, we put it in the trunk, and off they went. Wow. And, uh, we did that all during COVID. And uh, today we're doing about six to eight a month and continuing to provide the food to the uh, various agencies that we support, as well as these markets. 
Cause when you see one of the numbers that just, you know, hits you over the head, like a, like a sledgehammer is, is one out of three Coloradans are, are dealing with some kind of food insecurity. And I bet when you dig into the numbers, you know, it's disproportionately those people in those areas where, you know, where, where I live, I bet there's nobody, but then you go to some of these areas where you guys are, which your research is finding it's probably 90% or, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but. It's a huge number. I'll give you one number that uh, we looked at our numbers from our mobile markets from 2021 to first quarter of 2022. And now there's a double whammy. Not only did the COVID epidemic impact all those folks, Mm -hmm. but they're also being impacted by inflation. We had an increase of 145% quarter over quarter. Think of that. You stop to think about people, they may have a job, but now the cost of supporting their families has gone up by almost 9%. Yeah. They don't have any excess dollars put out and they can't right. go shopping. Yeah. So we're trying to meet that demand all the time. Was there a was there a moment that you can think back to when you're driving stuff around in the back of your Volvo? Was there a moment where you thought, you know, I'm really onto something here and this could really, this could really become something. I never really had that, that moment. Okay. I, I, I was so invested in continuing to develop the organization by that. I mean, finding more food donors and also having the wherewithal to get the food out to these various agencies yeah. that it didn't occur to me that I was on to something. All I knew was I was putting in a lot of hours, <laughs> doing a lot of driving. But once we moved into this facility, then I realized that we really had an obligation to the community and we had to perfect our efficiencies and how we were creating uh, the food and what we were doing with it. So yeah. now we're really... Uh, Listen, I can't do all of this by myself. I have a staff of about 19 people that really work hard each and every day. I mean, it's it's not an easy job to move pallets of food around yeah. and put it in trucks and, and take it out and hand it out. So they come to work every single day and uh, they come up with some great stories. And they're tired at the end of the day. Yeah. They come back every morning and they're ready to go to work again, which is uh, rewarding. I'm, I'm sure. And I think one of the one of the cool things that I, I noticed in doing a little bit of research is not only is the recovery and getting the food out a, a big part of what you're doing, but another cool piece is you're educating the community about food waste and, and, and everything else. Can you talk a little bit about that piece of the operation? Sure. We have um, a program that's uh, rolled out by one of our, our uh, employees, Julia. And uh, she came up with a program where she goes into, it started with elementary schools, and she created a food audit program where she goes into the cafeteria, she does a food audit with these kids and shows them how much waste they're creating each and every day, and then tells them and shows them how they can cut back on all this waste. And the important thing about it is that I'm sure you realize when you teach young kids something that's new and exciting to them. They go home and what do they do? They sit down at the dinner table and they tell their parents what they did today. And all of a sudden it's, 
mom, why are we throwing those tomatoes away? And how come we're not using this? So it's a tremendous opportunity to educate not only young people, but they become educators of their families and the older people so that they learn that there is a serious problem with food waste in this country. And uh, we, we look to expand that into more and more areas of the city. And we hope to uh, bring on some corporations and educate their their employees. And little by little, we'll, we'll grow this program out and it'll become a dynamic impact, have a, a dynamic impact on the community. Yeah. So when you think, again, asking you to think back a little bit, so you're 2009, you start the organization, it's grown, it's, it's become, you know, a huge contributing factor to the, to the city. What have been some of your business and leadership principles that have really got, helped guide you through all this that you would, you could use to advise somebody that's starting an organization? I think the biggest thing that I learned, you know, I, I think I knew about it, but I, as a lawyer, I maybe didn't practice it as much, is listen. You can learn more by listening than talking. So uh, every time I met people that were looking at uh, the organization and what we were doing, I was intent on listening to what they thought was important and then turning that information around and providing them what they wanted from an important standpoint and learning how to address these issues. The other thing I learned is, and this is a rule that uh, all restaurants should follow, the customer is always right. (laughs) What the complaint is, they are right. And you have to learn to address what their concerns are. And we have those problems sometimes with dock people. They say, well, why weren't you here at 8.15 instead of 8.30? Well, the traffic was bad. They don't care about the traffic. They just want you to be timely. So yeah. we, we have, it's, it, it's, a, it's a logistics issue sometimes because we're, we're doing them a favor. Uh-huh. Right? Not that they're doing us a favor. So they mandate that you have to be here at a certain time because they're receiving product. They don't want their docks. Tied up. So we, we have to work with these people and listen yeah. to what they expect of us. And uh, the other thing I do is I, I, I like to be known as treating everyone equally, all right? Just because they're not earning as much money as you and I doesn't mean that they don't have needs that you and I have. Right. And coming upon us to meet them where they are, you know, and there are little things that happen. You, you, a couple of years ago, one of my staff members was delivering food to a veteran center. And, uh, on the truck, he had uh, grapes that particular day. He had other things, and he was bringing them into the food pantry that they were operating. And a gentleman came up to him and he said, "You know what?" He said, "I haven't had a fresh grape in ten years." Wow. Well, his eyes just lit up. Wow. Here he was getting something that you and I don't even think about. Yeah, exactly. When's the last time you had a grape? Well, probably yesterday, you know. Yeah, that's something. And so you get those so much for granted that, that really warm your heart. Yeah, exactly. Um, what what really excites you about the future of the organization? It excites me to know that unfortunately, we're not going to close down the 
operation tomorrow or the next day. You know, somebody said, well, what, what's your dream about this organization? I said, my dream would be that the next day I wouldn't have to go to work because there's not a need for it. Right? But that's not going to happen. Uh, there's always people that are going to need assistance and the government can't always be the safety net. So it's right. organizations like We Don't Waste and others in the community that have to fill in those gaps and provide to those who are less fortunate. And, yeah. You know, all we have to do is make one mistake, whether it's a financial error or if we come upon bad health and we can't work, uh, all of us could be in the position where we have to depend on the assistance of others to help us each and every day. And that's it's what true. Everything going here. It, it's true. So again, one, one last one. Could you ever envision when you're driving around, you know, you've just got a car load of food after a Broncos game. Could you ever vision then that you'd be looking for a 30,000 square foot warehouse and you'd have a fleet of trucks and a staff of 19 and, no. and I didn't, I didn't. And as I sit here today, you know, we're, we're going to have this new facility probably in the next three to six months. And I don't know where this is going to go from there because uh, I'm no longer in the point where I say, well, we can't do this. I'm always at the point of saying, how can we do this and let's do it quicker so that we get ahead of the problem. So um, you have to rely on good people. I have tremendous support with the people that, that work with me and uh, they come to me regularly and say, Hey, we have this idea. What do you think we can do with it? And I said, well, let's think about that for about five minutes and then we'll turn around and do it. So you're always ready to look at new ideas and uh, look for new people that have new ideas and good ideas to uh, take us further along on this uh, journey where we're trying to help those who are less fortunate. That's fantastic. You know, I'm talking to all sorts of organizations like yours, the, the, ones that are the most successful, the one thing they have in common is always this attitude of how can we? So it's never can't because it's always, how can we? So um, hats off to that. So to wrap up, I always finish with what I call the fab four. So the first one is what's something that you will read, listen to, or watch today. Read, listen to, or watch today. I'll probably look at the national news to see just where this country is today and what challenge we, challenges we have in front of us. Never ends. If Is there a role model that you can point to that has really inspired you to do the work that you're doing? I kind of look at the whole avalanche team. <laughs> because they looked at a challenge and to a man, they all pitched in and said, you know, I can score goals and you can play defense, but we have to work together to do this to win. And they, they're an inspiration to me, really. Uh, it might sound, sound very cliche-ish, but I, I was amazed at what they accomplished this year. And when you stop to think about what Joe Sackick and, and, Coach Bednar said it's because they were committed to doing something. It was not me. It was us. And that's what this is about. It's not about me. It's about us and what we can do. Is there an organization out there outside of We Don't Waste that you really admire the work that they're doing? Um, 
Yeah, I looked at the one that uh, provides help to uh, domestic violence, Safe House Denver. Yep. They uh, they really provide uh, a safe harbor for women and children that are being abused. And uh, it's a real problem in our community. Yeah, it is indeed. So the last one, if somebody wants to volunteer, learn more about We Don't Waste, where can they find you? Sure. All they have to do is visit wedontwaste.org on the internet. And there's opportunities to volunteer with us. We have regular volunteer shifts. We always need volunteers. We have uh, over a thousand volunteers that uh, work. A thousand? Yeah, every year. Wow. uh, One of my women who heads up our volunteers said that there is a group that quantifies what a volunteer brings to an organization. And dollar-wise, it's about $31 an hour. And if you take those number of people that we have, they've contributed over $250,000 a year, which is a lot of money. That's a lot. That's the other thing that people can help with and donate to us. There's a donate button on our website. And there's a lot of free information on the website that will help people uh, conserve and and invite them all to visit the website, even if they don't volunteer or they don't donate, just to look and see what we do and uh, fill in some of the gaps that I might have overlooked today. Well, and you can also learn how to cut back your phone with food waste. That's one one of my big takeaways from, yeah. from visiting your website. That was awesome. Uh, like I say, I have a soft spot for solving food insecurity. So great job and, and look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, we'd be grateful if you would leave a review and subscribe. Check the show notes for contact information for Arlen and We Don't Waste to learn how you can support the organization and reduce your own food waste. If you're interested in how I might be able to help bolster your efforts and help you achieve your goals, I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better. Our world better.